Welcome to the Quantum Growth Podcast, empowering financial advisors to build practices for the 21st century by providing insights and interviews on leadership, strategy, and practice management. Now here are your co-hosts, Shenandoah Connor and Barron's Hall of Fame top advisor, Jonathan Cutton. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back once again to the Quantum Growth for Financial Advisors podcast. Um, Today, we've got just myself and John on the line. You want to say hi, John? Absolutely. I like the way you say just you and I. I think... uh, I think that's going to be a treat for everybody today. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited, Shenandoah. Uh, you know, we've gotten, as you know, some text and uh, text, I should say emails and uh, LinkedIn uh, correspondence, et cetera. And um, I'm excited to actually get interviewed by you today and uh, really kind of get into the weeds a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And my reasoning for keeping it intimate today, if you want to call it that, um, was it in our one of our recent meetings or one of our team meetings, you told a story that really caught my attention. And it's something that I think would be really beneficial to our listeners, something that doesn't get talked about enough, I think, um, especially in our trade publications and in our training materials, but something we definitely are focusing on in our practice this year. And I think that it would really help advisors just continue to see that quantum growth since that's what we're all about. And so what that story was, it just as a refresher, as you were talking about what really tapped you into this idea of focusing on client experience as one of our key initiatives at Cut and Wealth Management. So would you talk about that, that, that story that you told us? Yeah, I, I tell a lot of stories, so I'm glad you uh, you uh, kind of funneled it down a little bit. So, yeah, and, you know, before I go into the story, Shenandoah, you know, one of the things that I think is really important is, um, you know, obviously our podcast here is called Quantum Growth for Financial Advisors, and we're spending a lot of uh, time and energy on how to really grow a business, right? Whether it be through CPA partnerships acquisitions, leadership, um, or a lot of the topics we've covered thus far. And, you know, if you really think about it, the number one, you know, asset that we all have as financial advisors in our business are our clients, right? And the ability to A, retain them uh, and to B, organically grow the business. And, you know, sometimes advisors lose sight of that and spend so much time thinking about how to grow the business. uh, they, They don't necessarily look inside and make sure that the experience that they're giving their clients is creating organic growth within their practice. So, you know, with that being said, um, you know, to be totally raw and transparent, I am 100% a growth minded guy, right? And anyone listening to the podcast can kind of probably, you know, see that in, in listening to the past podcasts and have focused most of my career Um, And a lot of my success has come from kind of that CEO mentality and that business development hunter uh, kind of mentality, like a lot of advisors. And, you know, probably it's probably almost five years ago now, I had this experience that was a bit of a wake up call, I guess you could say. And it really made me approach the business different. And five years later, um, the results have been unbelievably positive. So uh, I think it's a great topic for today. So you know, kind of if we rewind, right, if we can go and rewind back to uh, five years ago, 
Uh, I had the opportunity that particular year to be on a panel with another very successful advisor uh, within uh, our broker dealer. And the topic of the panel discussion was how to drive net flows, right? New money coming into the practice versus new uh, money leaving the practice or existing money leaving the practice. Uh, and it was me uh, and a, a, a young lady uh, who was the other advisor being interviewed. And in that particular year, we were both tops in the company. Um, and to make a really long story short, I was asked the question first and, you know, when something like this, so John, you were number one or two uh, this year and net new money into your practice. How'd you do it? And I went on to talk about my robust CPA relationship platform and client events that we do for bring uh, event referral events and how we recruited advisors from the outside and so on, et cetera. And, you know, went into a lot of detail on that. And then the individual who was moderating the event asked this young lady uh, the same question. And her response was almost the polar opposite, right? And her response went something like this. We don't market at all. In fact, um, we don't partner with CPA firms. We don't really um, you know, do client events and we don't do seminars and anything along those lines. We just go out of our way to give our clients an amazing client experience. And over time, they give us all of their assets and they introduce us to their friends and their families and people uh, that they care about because we build these genuinely great relationships and have a client experience that's tops in the industry. And you know, just to not belabor the point here, but it was a bit of a wake-up call for me. It kind of made me feel kind of dumb, to be honest. I'm sitting there going, I've got this great big practice, right? And, you know, in, in fairness, we've always done a great job for our clients and, uh, you know, have served our clients extremely well, but I don't know that it was as dialed in as it could be and that our existence was about giving people this unbelievable client experience uh, and referable uh, experience. And it was a wake up call. And we've really spent the next last five years defining what it should look like and redefining it and redefining it. And it's still, you know, like all of our businesses, you know, a work in progress, but I can share with you the organic growth that we're now creating from the client experience that we have is actually rivaling our external, I'll call it kind of, um, you know, non-organic or inorganic growth in the business, which is pretty amazing. Absolutely. And that was one of the things that really resonated with me is, um, and it, it's something from my experience in other industries as well, is there's always growth opportunity with your own clients. And I know that John Randall, a few episodes back, uh, said the same thing, that you have two growth opportunities, new clients, but also what more can you do for your existing clients? And so you can get those new net flows coming in from your existing client base, as well as referrals and things like that. But it's also a much more affordable way to grow in terms of it doesn't cost as much as acquiring a practice or investing in some of these other inorganic tactics, recruiting, things like that. Um, and so in terms of being able to create sustainable growth, you do need to have those organic and inorganic items. But client experience is one of those things where a lot of people assume they're doing it well, but they really haven't defined it. They're not measuring it. They're not you know, doing those things to really ensure that they're delivering a, a superior client experience. 
for every single client every single time. But I know that's something, like you said, you've been dialing that down for the last several years. And I know we're continuing to fine tune that this year. Can you share with everybody what that process has been like? Like, how have you been defining the client experience and making sure that it's being delivered? Yeah, no, great, great question. And I think, um, you know, to piggyback on what you said there, you're absolutely right, right? There's no better way, simpler way, and more profitable way to build a practice than by gaining more wallet share from existing clients and or introductions uh, to loved ones, friends, family members, et cetera. The interesting part is like, like, you know, like most advisors, it's so easy to do that we choose not to focus on it and really kind of confuse an amazing client experience and building deep, meaningful relationships with just simply keeping clients happy enough, right? So that you have more time as an advisor to go out and uh, and kind of grow uh, in these other ways that we've been talking about. So here's some, some to me, really important pieces that, to make things that are, we'll get into the weeds a little bit more, but to make the complex somewhat simple. Um, and if, if you're not driving right now and you could write it down, I think here are three really simple things that we've found, um, three or four simple things. So one really simple thing is clients want to have you get back to them the same business day. Right. The old world, it used to be 24 hours was acceptable in today's world of technology and, you know, Amazon flying packages onto your front doorstep. If a client reaches out, they need to get a return phone call, email, know that you are in receipt of their message uh, and working on it. In my opinion, the same business day in a perfect world, believe it or not, within a couple of hours. Clients appreciate that unbelievably. Um, and I know these are simple things, but I think they're really important. Second, I think really important piece, especially in the COVID era here, and we thought this way five years ago, by the way, um, is the client should be able to meet you how they want to meet you. So whether that be face-to-face -face or what I call belly-to-belly, -belly, sitting in your office, as an example, which is obviously harder to do these days, whether it be through video conference, right? Which is a Zoom call or Teams meeting, et cetera, et cetera, uh, or a simple old fashioned, you know, telephone conference, right? So I think it's really important that the client gets to choose how they ultimately interact with you, um, screen to screen, face to face, et cetera. And I think that the third is, is that you actually really need to have a written documented financial plan of some sorts. So their money, right, needs to be connected to their goals. And you need to, as an advisor, have a deep understanding of how that money affects their goals and what they're trying to accomplish in their life. So I know that's really simple stuff, if you think about it. But the basis of kind of what we built was based on those three pillars and then a fourth pillar that we've started to add probably over the last maybe 18 months or so, which has been unbelievably effective for a couple of reasons, is every single one of your clients should have their next meeting scheduled at all times. So if they come in for a meeting today, before they leave your office or that phone call or video conference, their next meeting should be scheduled, whether your model is to see them annually, semi-annually, quarterly, monthly. The next interaction should be scheduled. We found it does two things. Number one, it makes that client fully understand 
and find comfortable that be comfortable with the fact that they're going to see you again soon, right? And that you have a system and process in place. Uh, and the second is, it saves you and your staff an unbelievable amount of time of trying to chase people down and get them into the calendar, right? And just makes everything kind of go. Little tweak that we made, we didn't do it, you know, ever to be honest. Uh, and we got into this client experience thing. And as we started to interview clients and ask them for their feedback, one of the things that they really wanted to know is when am I going to see you again? And what we found, Chen, is by doing that, our phone actually rings a lot less with silly questions because the client knows I've already got my next meeting with my advisor in 60 days or 90 days or whatever it may be. So I think those are um, you know, three or four kind of important pillars as you're building out your client experience to keep in mind. No, those are all great points. And I've definitely heard you drive those home, but you said something that I really want to kind of pull out and make sure is very clear to our advisors. A lot of times when you think about making sure that there's a client experience process and trying to make it an even better client experience, they instantly think more work or it's gonna be a bigger burden on my staff, but actually having a written clear process and doing it consistently and accomplishing as much as you can in that meeting as possible um, saves time. And so if you have this, not only are the, are the clients gonna have a better experience, but it's actually very efficient and, and just improves overall, again, the profitability and efficiency of your firm. So I really wanted to make sure we, we drove that home um, because that is something that we have seen in our practice. Um, and I know too, you know, as we're doing these things, those are some of the things that we've been measuring and monitoring, but how can you dive into that a little bit? So making sure that you are consistently doing it, how are you checking against what you've written out, what you've developed as your process and making sure that you're doing it every time? Uh, you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Well said. And, um, you know, so one of the advisors on our team, uh, who's one of my best friends, actually, uh, a guy by the name of Aaron Shankman, right? Aaron been on my team for 25 years. And to make a long story short, Aaron ran his business for years and years, like most advisors, right? He knew his client base. He had great relationships, golf buddies with clients, dinners, et cetera. But he literally ran his business on a piece of paper, right? And he intuitively knew in his own brain, like, okay, it's time to call Shenandoah uh, it's time for her review. I haven't seen her in a while. And he would just kind of look at a list and intuitively know when it was time to call a client. Uh, he didn't really have a system in process, but with that being said, he did a great job for his clients. Like most advisors had great relationships, got referrals. I mean, this is a, a gentleman running a, a couple million dollar a year business at a very high level. We were on a meeting probably two, two or three weeks ago, maybe even a little longer than that now. And as Aaron has adapted to kind of this systematic approach in this process that we'll get into some of the details on, his comment to a group of newer advisors was that he resisted it. And now it is literally the lifeblood, where it was his words, of his business and that he and his staff would be lost if they didn't actually have a repeatable system in place, um, kind of a step-by-step -step process. So I just wanted to share that. And to, you know, to get into the weeds a little bit, Shenandoah, um, we, we've talked a little bit, and I think at some point we're gonna have my good friend Paul Latham on, uh, and I've talked a little bit about this vision, plan, desire, right? So what we really started with to think about 
how to actually develop this was we thought about from a client experience perspective and how we can deliver this experience to our clients, what was the vision, right? So what was the vision of we what, what we wanted to actually accomplish from the client's perspective? How did we want them to view us? How did we want them to feel, right? And ultimately from our perspective, how did we actually want to ultimately be able to deliver this in a way that we can check all those boxes, make the clients feel that way, but not to your point, spend a hundred hours a year on every client, which is just uh, unreasonable to do and still run a profitable business. So that was the vision. And then the next part that we did is we said, we've got to actually put a written plan in place. And I'm not going to go through all the steps in our plan, but we have what we call a client onboarding process that is very specific to from the time we generate a prospective client to what happens until they ultimately get to a point where they are onboarded as a client and gone through the whole financial planning process, the whole experience, right? There's an onboarding process. And then once that onboarding process has been completed, we then created a written process around what does the ongoing servicing of that client actually look like? I'm embarrassed to say the onboarding process and the service process combined has 64 steps in it, right? So um, 64 steps seems like an awful lot of steps. Some of the steps, guys, are as small as saying, make a confirmation call, send a confirmation letter, set the next appointment. So it's, it's 64 steps it seems overwhelming, but it really isn't when you get into it. And when you can build this out and it lives in your CRM system, it makes running that experience kind of rinse and repeat. So no different. We've all read books and kind of, you know, heard and, and read and learned about kind of a franchise model, right? Why you could go into a Starbucks here in New York, or you can walk into a Starbucks, you know, in Austin, Texas, and you can order a skinny vanilla latte with two Splendas and that skinny vanilla latte, which happens to be my drink, uh, with two Splendas is going to taste the same as long as the barista actually follows the process that Starbucks gave them, right? And sometimes if the barista does it his or her own way, what winds up ultimately happening is that skinny vanilla latte doesn't taste quite the same. So does that help, Shen? No, absolutely. And that's definitely in line with... Um you know, again, my experience, you know, my background being in systems design and, and that that's something that we really focus on is if you have that process and, it, and you can do that, you create that consistency, especially if you are wanting to grow like you are and having multiple offices, but even a one man band could really benefit from having a process because it just takes some of that mental real estate back that you can use to grow your practice, to prospect, to make sure that you're providing leadership to your team because you're not having to think about all of these different steps in the process. Not, did I make sure to follow up with that client? Did I send a thank you, you know, letter or, or gift or something? All of those things, if you start automating it, you just take some of that you know, energy back and some of that just bandwidth back that you can use towards other things. Um, so definitely uh, it's something I've seen being good in just any industry, but I've, I've really seen the benefits and, and just have been hearing this over and over again in our own practice. And like you said, the advisors oftentimes resist at first, but they finally come around when they see 
it does make life easier. It does make the clients happier. It does make the staff happier. Everybody knows what's expected. Um, and it makes it easy too for us to measure because we have these steps. These are the tasks. Did these things get done? And we can say, you know, was the meeting set before they left and have like a, you know, a goal in mind of what we're looking for. Ideally, we're looking for, you know, 100% or something, but how are we making sure that that is happening every time? Yeah, something, you know, I say this all the time, um, you know, one of our models in the office is just run the play, right? Just run the play. We, we, we have the play, the process works. We have the secret ingredient, right? Not to say our process is the only process, um, but if you actually consistently run the play, the ultimate result is the client will be wowed and satisfied and their experience and journey uh, will be quite strong. You know, one of the, you know, two things that I wanted to hit. One is um, we talked a little bit about what the vision was that we had, right? And then how we developed the 64-step process, the our plan in writing, right? And the last part is desire, what I often refer to as measurement. So, you know, we've all heard, I know this is simple stuff, guys, but I, I actually feel like for most of the advisors that listen to the podcast, if they listen to this podcast over, over and over and over again several times, and start to really let it sink in and digest it, it'll have the quickest, easiest impact and lift on their career and their business. Um, but when you think about measurement, right, there are leading and lagging indicators, right? We talk a lot about this in our organization as well. So, you know, a lead indicator is in essence activities, right, that quite frankly, there is no immediate result for the activity that you're doing. You have to do it over and over and over again uh, to ultimately get the result, right? And a lagging indicator is how did you actually get the result that you want? So, you know, in our business, that might be a referral or it might be winning new business or it might be a high client satisfaction survey or, you know, gross revenue or, you know, et cetera. So what we've done is we've really focused early on on all the lead measures, right? We tracked the lags because that's important, uh, but we knew in order to actually get the end result, we probably had to execute on our lead measures for six months, 12 months, maybe even 18 months before the activities and process that we were running actually resonated with the client and they felt that deeper, more meaningful relationship and connection and therefore gave us more of their assets to manage introduced us to their friends and family, et cetera. So I think it's important to kind of look at that lead lag. I always explain it this way, right? Many Americans, myself for sure, wants to go lose 10, 20, in some cases, 30, 40, in my case, probably 30 or 40 pounds, right? So, you know, the lead measures there, you know, are, did I drink enough water today? Did I exercise? Did I follow whatever the plan was? It could be paleo, it could be keto, it could be whole 30, it could be Weight Watchers, it almost doesn't matter. But did I actually follow those lead measures, right? Uh, and then ultimately the lag measure is when you went on the scale, right? Did the number go up, down or stay the same? When you put on that pair of jeans, was the waistband looser, uh, tighter or the same, right? And what most, people do, as we all know, is we simply follow the process somewhat good. We do those lead measures for a day or two or three. And then if we go on that scale and we didn't get the result we expected, we stop, 
And that's what's really important. We've kind of really just focused on run the play, hit the lead measures over and over and have faith that the process would actually work. And, you know, lo and behold, as we kind of looked up, it did. One of the, one of my goals, uh, and I gave this to the folks in the organization um, five years ago, was that I can't wait to get letters and emails from our advisor's clients telling me how amazing their advisor is, right? We've all gotten some of those and it kind of, you know, checks a lot of boxes to make us feel good, that recognition. Uh, and I could share with you in the first year of us doing this, you know, we always got some notes like that, but didn't ramp up very much, right? The second year, I started to get maybe six to 12 emails like that from clients or an advisor would shoot it over to me from one of their clients. You know, fast forward, we're five years into it. We probably get 100 to 200 notes like that from clients right now about how their advisors made a difference in their life, gone above and beyond. Um, and when, when you start to build those type of relationships, I just want to be really clear. You build those relationships because you have a repeatable process. You don't build, a, it doesn't mean if you're not getting those letters that you don't care and you're not doing a great job for your clients. But when you have an, give them an experience that's above and beyond expectations and you can actually anticipate what it is that they want from you as their advisor and your process does that, not you thinking about it and trying to figure it out for each and every client individually, ultimately you start to crack the code on that. And that's where that organic growth machine starts to really kick in. No, absolutely. And I really want to drive home, you know, you talk about the lead and lag measures. So the client satisfaction, the net new flows, all of that stuff, those are the lag measures. Yes, we do track that. But in order to make sure that those are moving, we track and make sure did every client that came in that week, did their next meeting get set? Did they get a follow-up call or, you know, all of those things, that's what's being measured. And that's what's resulting in, you know, those that customer feedback. Um, and I, I don't know if everyone's heard this, you know, from a marketing professional, I hear it all the time. Uh, you know, it's the average experience. No one ever comments, likes, shares or anything like that. If someone has a bad experience. They are very motivated to share that, but it takes a superior experience for them to actually share that, actually send a thank you or a comment. You have to go above and beyond to elicit a positive response. It's actually harder to get a positive response than it is um, to get a bad response out of somebody. Whereas an average response, that's just when everybody keeps their mouth shut. So in order to get those really great client experience reviews or to get those referrals, you do have to go a little bit above and beyond. But if you have that repeatable process, it's very easy to do without adding a lot of effort or energy to the practice. Yeah, spot on, Shen. I think, um, I think advisors, and we used to do this ourselves, confuse client experience with recognizing birthdays, with sending a gift, with remembering an anniversary, et cetera. So that's all part of our process, by the way, and we do that as well. Um, you know, in, in all honesty, that's kind of table stakes these days, right? It's table stakes that an advisor should know when their client's birthday is, right? We have CRM to leverage that kind of stuff, right? Where we can actually ensure that we don't forget those things. We, we should do um, that kind of stuff. So I think 
you know, when you think about a tape from a table stakes perspective, advisors think that having a fancy dinner and inviting their clients to bring a friend is the way to grow their business. And that's what clients really appreciate. And I do think we do all those things and those are great things to do. However, if the experience your clients are getting and the differentiation and how you're impacting their life through your process isn't necessarily connecting with them, then the likelihood of them coming to those events and properly endorsing you to their friends and family is a lot lower, right? So, you know, what do we all try to do? We all try to take shortcuts, right? I'd rather not spend all this time delivering this unbelievable service and, you know, checking off 64 steps and building deep, meaningful relationships with my clients. I'd rather just, you know, send an invitation to a beautiful, you know, steak, steakhouse and ask my clients to bring their friends and family, right? And a lot of advisors do that and they don't have the success that they hope for. And that's because the client isn't connected enough to you as the advisor to ultimately feel that sense of, I want to introduce, I need to introduce the people I care about because my advisors made that big of a difference uh, and impact in my life. So I think that's important to understand from a, you know, from a, the word table stakes is something that we talk a lot about, which is just, you expect that from it. I expect you to have professional designations. I expect a buttoned up financial plan. I expect reasonable performance in my portfolio. I expect you to call me back within the same business day. Those are the expectations. I expect to see you two or three or four times a year, right? It's how do you go above and beyond on all those little things? And those little things are what makes clients feel like you're completely buttoned up and that they could put their entire trust in you and that they'd ultimately you know, be lost without you. So the other piece, and I just want to kind of take it in a, in a certain direction. You want to also just think about what is that experience? And it might be different for all different advisors, right? We all have different kind of niches and uh, you know different um, specialties, if you will. But you want to think about what is it that you do that you want to resonate with your clients, right? So, you know, we've got, we've talked with Ray Kelly at some point about vision, mission, values, uh, things along those lines. You know, our firm's tagline is we help our clients to prepare for the certainty of uncertainty. And we talk to our clients a lot about that's why we exist, right? We don't exist necessarily to get you the best rate of return, although we try to, right? We don't exist to make sure that our financial plan is the prettiest. We exist to mitigate risk and to make sure that we're gonna do everything in our power to help you get the outcome you want as an individual and look at the holistic kind of pieces of your life, not just your investment portfolio, but how we're gonna actually help you live a happier life um, and a more successful life and, and keep all of those areas and risks that could impact that out of your life, right? And I know that's kind of big picture, um, but that's really what we try to do and the theme of what we're doing with our clients as a whole. So you got to think about what is the deliverable that you're delivering and how do you do it in a way that it has an impact uh, in clients' lives? And, you know, Shenandoah, you know, 
um, we deliver something we call the seasons of advice, sort of as our service model, which, um, you know, the, by the way, the founders of that, to give full credit, are uh, uh, two gentlemen that I know from years and years ago, Charlie Hamaway and Chris Canigliaro, uh, who run a very successful RIA today in New York City. Great guys and someone, quite frankly, that I'd love to get on the, uh, on the podcast at some point. They've taught, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of advisors how to kind of run that system. When I heard about the system years ago, it just resonated for me you know, and, and was, was the way we wanted to deliver advice. No, absolutely. And there's a couple of key things that you brought up in what you said. And I think um, you mentioned trust and the seasonal model, I think also parlays into this, but part of, you know, being able to get referrals from client and be able to get those good ratings and just to have that ongoing client loyalty is they need to know like, but ultimately trust you. And to trust you, you have to be consistent. They know what to expect out of you. They know they can depend on you to do certain things, not just your fiduciary duty, but like you said, I know when my next meeting is, I know I'm going to receive a phone call. I know that they are thinking about me throughout the year. Those types of things, whether it is like ours, our seasonal model, we know we're going to see our clients four times a year, or are you seeing your clients once or twice a year, whatever that is, as long as they have that expectation, they know what to expect and you're delivering every single time that helps to build that trust. That is the foundation of maintaining that relationship, especially this day and age where a lot of clients might have multiple financial advisors or they might be doing some stuff on their own. The more that they trust you and the more of that additional business that you can get and again, increase your net flows from your existing client base. Yeah, no, exactly right. And, um, you know, that, that's, you know, the, the, the piece that I want to highlight is the best way to play offense when you have an existing book of business is to actually give a level of client experience because you're right, most clients have assets elsewhere. Um, some tell you, some don't. But what we learned is we thought we had all of our clients' assets. And as we wowed them with our client experience, one by one, clients started to fire their other advisors that weren't giving them the same experience and asking us to handle more and more of their affairs. That's what I mean when I talk about organic uh, growth uh, being you know, the, the ultimate you know, number one lag measure, right, is referrals and more assets from existing clients. So couldn't agree more. You know, we talk about table stakes. I'll give away just a couple of the pieces that I think are really important, right? So- I mean, these are really simple things. So number one, um, every time we have a client meeting, one of the things that we do is we make sure within 24 hours, they get a summary letter and we measure that. Other thing we do is every, every single meeting that we have within 24 hours, the client gets a follow-up call just to check in, make sure they understood everything, right? And the third piece, third and fourth piece is, we ask for referrals in every meeting, no matter what, our clients know we're gonna do it, right? And the fourth piece is, as we talked about before, we set our next meeting in every meeting that we're in. So there's four unbelievably simple things to do that take very, very little time that I just ask yourself as an advisor, are you doing all of those things in your practice right now? And then you think about how you want your client to feel. So. We wrap up the meeting, Shenandoah, you and I have a great meeting today. We talk about your financial planning, your goals, whatever it may be. And we, we end that meeting with me saying, Shenandoah, before you leave, 
I want to make sure we set up our next quarterly meeting. Here we are in February. Um, let's set up our next meeting for May, three months out. I know afternoons are usually good. Let's get that in the calendar. Fantastic. You walk out of that meeting, right? The way I want you to be thinking is great. John cares about me. He runs a process. I'm coming back in in three months because I'm in control of my finances. And John's the guy who helps me to do that. Now, I want you to think about this, Shenandoah. By the time you get home, right, in a perfect world, or at the very least within 24 hours, you're going to get an email that summarizes everything that we spoke about. And it's going to say, thanks for taking the time to meet together. Here's what we did. Here's my to-dos from the meeting. Here's your to-do to the meetings. And by the way, our next meeting is in 90 days at such and such a time, such and such a place. Any questions, don't hesitate to call. So now you came home, because on that drive home, we know as advisors, you didn't understand everything we talked about, right? You trust me and you're moving forward because you trust me. Now you have a written document as a client that you can remember exactly what we did and you can see it in writing to see if you have any questions and you know you're coming back in in 90 days to meet us again. Now, fast forward, Shenandoah, the next morning, right? Your phone rings and it's me. And I'm going, hey, Shenandoah, it was great to meet you yesterday. We accomplished a lot. So good to see you. Glad things are going well. Um, you should have received my summary letter. I just wanted to make sure you didn't have any questions. We talked about some complicated things, anything on your mind. Now, one or two things are going to happen. You're either going to go, nope, got it. Thanks for everything. Or you're going to go, thanks for calling, John. The one thing I forgot to ask you was this, or I wasn't clear on that, right? Or whatever it may be or I'm not ready to do it yet. Thanks for the suggestion, but can we talk about it again in 90 days? Not the ideal outcome, but that's okay if that actually occurs, right? So if you just do those small pieces, I want you to put yourself in your client shoes, and then I want you to compare that to what they get from you in your practice today. And you might deliver something even better than that, right? But if you really just think about that, I, I think that's a super buttoned up process. If I am Shenandoah, I'm going, John's on it. I know when I'm meeting him next, I'm clear on what we did. I don't have any other questions. And I know when I'm coming back in, if I do have any questions, right? So again, that's just a little kind of tiny piece of procedurally what our process ultimately looks like. Um, but if you do that, I want you to fast forward, do that for six months, 12 months, 18 months. Now, the first thing is, once you start doing it, you cannot stop because your clients are gonna love it and they're gonna expect it. So if you take it away and the summary letter doesn't come, they're gonna call you and go, hey, I didn't get a summary letter, what's going on there, right? So be careful if you're not equipped to do it, don't run out and do it tomorrow. But once you start to do that, think about how that client is feeling about you as their advisor, how much you care, how buttoned up they are and about your process as a whole. No, absolutely. And you really hit on that there about clients are going to start expecting it because as you were talking, I actually was thinking about um, times that not just with financial advisors, but heck, I even um, got a massage a few months ago and I was offended. They didn't ask to schedule my next appointment. And my last, you know, I, I remember having a phone call with a financial advisor before y'all. This is again, me coming in from outside the industry. And I was trying to get my next meeting scheduled. And I, it was like, he just was resisting it. 
And I, you know, it, it's those things like, okay, do you really want my business? That's what you start thinking. And then if John's over here making sure all these things are happening and I do have another advisor, yeah, I'm going to go with the person who is showing me that they want my business. Um, so I, I mean, that was just really resonating very clearly for me as, as the non-advisor in the group here. <laughs> just, I can tell you from a client side, I definitely uh, resonates with me. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I appreciate that. And it, it does. It's, um, it's really simple stuff. The key is, is you have to execute it over and over again, right? And then, you know, you think about then what is the experience that the client's going to get in those review meetings, right? My belief is most advisors in those particular review meetings are spending most of their time, you think about a typical advisor review meeting, if they're an hour long, it's 30 or 40 minutes of BS. How are the grandchildren? Where'd you go on vacation? COVID's crazy, so-and-so was sick, oh my goodness, this is this is nuts. Maybe a little bit about what's going on in the world, right? Catching up on that stuff. And then most advisors are saying, hey, anything new in your situation, everything going okay? Let me take out your portfolio. Your performance was X, right? Your beta alpha, standard deviation, tax efficiency. Let's make a couple little tweaks. Here's our outlook on the economy. Let's make these couple of changes. Great seeing you, goodbye. Right now, compare that to what I described as table stakes a minute ago, and then imagine having more interaction with your clients than once or twice a year, but having a, a quarterly meeting with clients, and then in between those quarterly meetings, having touch points as well. Right, we believe no less than 12 contacts per year per client, and some of that is an email, some of that's a newsletter, some you know, lots of different touch points. Some of it could be just a quick, hello, how are you, touch base phone call. Um, everything is designed to make sure the client feels like he or she is really top of mind. We are being proactive, not reactive. And I never want a client to call me and say, hey, can we come in for a meeting? I never want them to say, I haven't seen you in a while. If you're doing that, if, that, if you're hearing that in your practice, and by the way, five years ago, we were hearing that in our practice. So there's no shame in it, right? But that tells me that the client experience is not strong and the likelihood of the situation is, is your organic growth is less than optimal because of it. Now, if, you're, if your model of how you deliver service can be built around things other than investments, which I believe is commoditized. So our seasons of advice program, and again, I think having Charlie and or Chris on would be amazing. You now each quarter has a different theme, right? So one quarter, we're talking about financial planning, goals, and what's changed. One quarter, we're just talking about the investment portfolio and asset allocation, kind of you know, pull it apart, put it back together again. One quarter, we're talking about tax planning, usually Q4, right? Not after the year ended, but being able to do some proactive uh, tax planning stuff. And then one quarter is talking about estate planning, risk management, protection planning, et cetera. If you train your clients to understand that you're helping them with all facets of their financial planning, not just their investment portfolio, which most of us do as advisors. Um, it also opens up the opportunity, you know, which is a whole another subject, by the way, to charge separately and distinctly for your financial planning advice, your intellectual capital versus your asset management as fees start to, in my opinion, shrink in the asset management uh, you know, uh, department as it becomes more commoditized being compensated for your intellectual capital and having a model that allows you to execute on that 
becomes super important as well. So, um, you know, there's a lot more, Shen, I know we're running short on time here, but what I, what I wanted to kind of pinpoint is, you know, start with the table stakes, start with little steps, be really thoughtful on how you want your clients to feel, you know, and we forget this as advisors, that $100,000 income you bring in, 300, 500, million, 2 million, et cetera, it comes from your satisfied clients. That's how we get paid, right? We are in a service business. That's what the financial services business is. It's a service business. And if you don't have a model to give your clients the client experience that they desire and expect, um, then ultimately your revenue stream is at risk, right? Because there's someone out there that's got the same products and services that you do, but is able to deliver it in a more pleasing way, uh, you know, to the client. And uh, you know, you don't, you don't want to become the taxicab industry, right? So, you know, with that being said, Shannon, I don't know if you have any follow-up thoughts or questions for me, but I want to throw it back to you. Yeah, just one final thought. I know we talked about, you know, delivering this model, you know, ensures that stickiness with the client and it also increases the efficiency. Um, but really want to drive home again that concept of, um, I know, especially smaller firms, you want to make sure that you are um, being as profitable as possible. And if you can increase what you're getting out of each client, but you're managing the same number of clients, but it's still able to increase. That's a great way, even as a small shop, to be able to grow your practice and be able to increase revenue. But just thinking on a big firm scale, we're always looking to be able to increase profitability. And so the more that you are able to capture from each client, um, again, same input, same effort, but you're getting so much more back. Um, and just, again, that seasonal model, when I came into the firm, that really resonated with me in terms of, you know, you're not trying to talk about everything and, and throw everything in the kitchen sink into a one hour meeting. It's hard to have a really deep dive if you meet once a year and have to talk about everything in an hour. But if you're doing this quarterly meetings, you get to go a little bit deeper with your clients on very specific topics and give them a, a more comprehensive service. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. Um, and there's a whole process around how to deliver that, that advice right on a seasonal basis as well. Just two things that you jog my memory on that I wanted to mention, and then we can wrap this baby. Um, so one is, um, I think you're absolutely right. You know, if you, if you think about most advisors or many advisors, I should say, are trying to figure out, right, if they've been in the business for a number of years, how do they scale their business, right? How do they scale it maybe beyond themselves to be more in that CEO seat? Um, and, you know, go back to my story about Aaron a little while ago. If your process is written on a napkin or it's, it, it lives in your brain, it's very hard to teach someone else how to provide that experience, right? So having a documented process, kind of what I would call, this is how we do it here, right? This is our process. This is the play we're going to run. Um, it's been thought through. It works. Just go run the play. Allows you to outsource to other people in your organization so you can actually free up more of your time. And then I think you're exactly right. Although there's probably more steps in my process today than there were in our service model previously, what we found is because we do things the same way over and over and over again, 
there's so much more efficiency that my advisors can actually work with more clients and give them a better experience because all they have to do is look at CRM and go, what do I do next? Right. And it, and, and as long as you're checking, you're never going to check, honestly, a hundred percent of the boxes, but if you can check, you know, of those 64 steps, 80 or 90% of them, the client is going to be wowed with the experience. And then that organic growth machine really starts to build. So I think that was a great point you made, Jen. I just wanted to drive home. That's how you create quantum growth, right? Is to be able to not have to worry about how to wow your clients, but just have to spend time and energy on how you deal with all the referrals coming in and all of those inorganic growth strategies that we've been spending a lot of time on. Absolutely. And I think that's a great point to wrap it up. I know we pretty belabored the point uh, deeply, but I'm really glad we got to talk about this because I do think it's something that doesn't get talked about enough. And it's something that definitely impressed me as I came on board um, as being just a key differentiator, as well as just something that um, will create quantum growth for advisors, you know, and so we will uh, reach out and see if we can't get those. uh, It was Charlie and uh, over with the seasonal service model. I, I've got some work to do. Yeah, <laughs> seasons, seasons of advice, uh, Chris Canigliaro, Charlie Hamaway. Um, so yeah, we could check in. I think they're, they might still be coaching on this stuff. They might, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure to be, you know, totally transparent, but yeah. definitely worth a reach out. And we, I'd love to, to get them on the show because what they built is pretty amazing. Well, if you're out there, give us a call. Or if you uh, know of someone else that you think would be a great guest for the podcast, we have a link in the show notes where you can submit them or you could submit yourself if you think you might be a good guest as well. Um, and feel free to reach out to John or I on LinkedIn. We love connecting with you. We love getting feedback. What are you liking about the podcast? What other topics would be of interest to you and, and other guests that you think might be of interest as well? Uh, feel free to connect with us. And again, we will be back next week with another episode. We've got some great guests lined up all the way through the next couple of months. Very exciting. And uh, so we'll see you next time, John. Nope. I think you took it away. Great. Thanks for listening. Uh, as usually I was a little wordy, but I hope everybody enjoyed it. And, um, you know, that's it. It's a wrap. All right, everyone. See you later. (laughs) Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find the episode show notes and subscribe for updates by visiting cuttonconsultinggroup.com forward slash podcast. Make sure to subscribe and download the episodes on your favorite podcast app, and we'll see you next week.